as he raised Lazarus, from, who'd been dead four days, raised him from the dead. And just to, to set the scene, we're going to start in verse 17. But uh, a little before that, just uh, Jesus is hanging out with the disciples um, on the other side of the, the river, uh, the Jordan River. And uh, Mary and Martha are Lazarus' sisters, and they live in Bethany. And Lazarus has gotten sick, and they want Jesus to come to heal him, to protect him. And so Jesus hanging out with the disciples, um, they don't want to go to Bethany because that takes them back into a space that's really dangerous, a place where folks had tried to kill Jesus and um, uh, to harm his disciples. So they weren't really motivated to go. And there's some confusion with Jesus and the disciples. He's telling uh, um, them that uh, you know, Lazarus is asleep, and, but he's meaning that he's, that he's dead, and they're not getting that distinction. And they're like, Jesus, if he's asleep, somebody else will wake him up. You know, his alarm clock will go off, something. We don't need to go. But eventually he says, well, we're going. And the disciples reluctantly say, and some famous words from Thomas, one of the disciples who says, well, let's, let's go die with him as we go on this journey together. And that's where we pick up in verse 17 when Jesus and the disciples arrive in uh, the place in Bethany with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, give you thanks for your written word. Uh, thank you as it speaks to us of your, your truth, um, of the, the depth of being in you. You've created us for, and we ask that you would open our eyes and ears, our very soul, to receive from you through your written word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, verse 17 of John chapter 11. When Jesus arrived... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, 
He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I've learned, I've been, been trained not only by fine professors, but also in life, to never assume I know what tears mean. Uh, some of you are accessing memories of your own, I take it. I remember, so, so I've learned to ask, why are you crying? And one time I remember, well, I, I, I don't remember exactly what the situation was, whether it was the flu or pregnancy. They can have similar symptoms. <laughs> but I came upon my, my wife in the bathroom, in a compromising position. And it was a mess. And she was crying. And, and, and in an insight, a moment of the Spirit at work within me, I didn't assume I knew what to do. And I asked, Honey, why are you crying? To which she said, Because I just cleaned the bathroom. <laughs> huh? And so I knew, again, another depth of insight from the Spirit in that moment to say, I don't need to take care of her. I need to clean the bathroom again. And that became one of the most brilliant moves of my husband's career. <laughs> Just asking the question, why are you crying? And that's the question I have with this particular passage. For many of us, a familiar passage of Jesus, because we know that the rest of the story, that Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, he, he does. Even with, through all the thickness of all the disciples, and even Mary and Martha not getting it, he does show up, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. So why is he crying there? You know, he, it's not because Lazarus is dead. It's, I, I, I propose to you, it's not out of compassion that out of the death of Lazarus. Because he's been saying from the beginning that he's going to raise him from the dead. So he knows what's about to happen. I had an experience this morning, early this morning. I was leaving the house. And I had my stuff with me. And on my way out, I remembered, oh yeah, the compost bins. I left the top off of the compost bins because being the good, ecological, cre believing God created cre um, all that there is, I make dirt. You know, I take leaves that come from the yard and I take all the vegetable refuse from our house and I put it all in a bin and it's the one thing I think I can do well. I make dirt. And so being really good, I took the top off the compost bins so that the rain would fall in. So it wouldn't just be it would, then not only being ecological, but economical. And so I didn't even have to pay for that water. It was another gift from God that is a necessary component to compost. And so then remembered this morning, that was even double surprise, went over, 
walked across the yard, put the tops on. It was, it was dark out, but found the tops, put them back on, walking proud of myself back to the car. And then noticed when I stepped on the patio, there's a lot of leaves sticking to one of my shoes. And then another step or two later, my nose told me why. Because I had being good, remembering, and all the rest, trying to do the right thing, stepped in dog mess on the way back. So there were tears from my eyes at that moment. (laughs) And if you'd asked me why I was crying, it was out of the frustration of the moment, trying to do the right thing and getting caught in the mess of the dog. I think to a much greater degree... That's why Jesus was crying in that moment. It had all come to bear on the fallenness of creation. The the futility of our, of His creation. Being not what it was supposed to be. All come to bear of the weakness that, that... Incorrect, incomplete faith of his disciples. Martha didn't get it. Mary didn't get it. Thomas didn't get it. From beginning to end. Knowing also that after knowing what he's about to do and knowing what his end is in just seven, eight days from this passage. Knowing that this miracle he's about to perform is going to be the clincher. This is going to put him over the top with the Pharisees and the religious leaders because after this miracle, they are going to agree with each other. Let's get him. We can't let this continue on. This isn't how Jesus had created the world to be. He was there, Paul tells us in Colossians, that he created, he's there at the creation. Death was not a part of the original creation. The futility and curse was not a part of the original creation. But in the fallenness of humanity, then all of this followed. And in the fullness of Jesus' humanity, I submit to you that his tears were out of frustration. The, the words that are used here, that are translated, he's deeply disturbed, are are translated in other places, angered. It's the same word used for the snort of a bull. That his weeping wasn't saying, well, he was just sad inside, but that he was weeping. I mean, folks knew it. He was weeping out loud and I think it was the frustration and futility of the fallenness of humanity, the mess that creation had become. He, in that moment, got in touch with the groans, the deep groans that Paul tells us in Romans 8, that creation has till till it can be reunited with its creator in, in fullness of the beauty in which it was created. Now, I think that, that that's what caused, Je- caused Jesus, God the Son, to weep. 
And it's important for us to recognize that so that we don't deny the reality of the pain and the anguish and in, in our existence, in our world, in our own lives, in the lives of others. That we too are in the midst of that kind of mess. That there is pain, there is disease, there is brokenness, there is addiction, there is evil. And I think all of that hit Jesus at that moment of weeping. But, even in the midst of those tears, in the midst of God in the flesh, weeping, He rises and fulfills His promise, His great I Am. I Am the resurrection and the life. Even in the midst of such a mess that would cause God to weep, He stands tall and brings life out of death. For Lazarus is dead. He's good and dead. Deader than a doornail, as my uncle used to say. Been dead four days. In the tomb four days. Part of the reason of the four days is because it was a common understanding among Jews in that day that the spirit of a person would hang around for three days. But on the fourth day, it got so bad, even the spirit would leave. He's saying, Lazarus is good and dead. And in the midst of that brokenness, in the midst of that pain, the power of the resurrection is displayed. A power so great that we're told that then crowds started to gather around Jesus and the religious leaders of the day, they decided then that they needed to put an end to him. Even got to the point of the religious leaders of the day saying, we need to kill both Jesus and Lazarus so that we can squash this uprising around him. Propose to you there are two reasons, two results For God, a reason is the same thing as a result. For what He proposes to do, He does, as we just sang. But one, well, the the one thing that it isn't, that I want to be clear about here, the one thing that it isn't that, that enables or causes Lazarus to be raised from the dead is the faith of the people. It's not their faith, their faith was incomplete. They they weren't expecting Lazarus to come out of the tomb. It's not because we conjure up enough faith that God brings healing, that, that God brings life out of death. Now, there is the place of faith, but it's an incomplete faith, just like Mary and Martha. I mean, they had enough faith to run to Jesus, but they didn't understand all that was going on. I mean, Thomas and the disciples, they had enough faith to hang with Jesus. They had enough faith to say, we're going to walk with you, even if you're going to walk right into death, at least up to that point. They had enough faith to hang with Jesus, but they did not have the complete understanding of who Jesus was. So it wasn't because of their faith. The two reasons... That Jesus brought this sign as He brought every sign from the book of John. Every miracle of the book of John. Changing water to wine. Healing the sick. Healing the lame. Feeding 5,000. Walking on the water. 
healing, giving sight to a man who was born blind, and now giving life to one who was dead for four days. The first reason that Jesus says he's, he does this is to bring glory to the Father. To reveal, to demonstrate, to proclaim, and to show the power, the love of the Creator who can bring even life out of death. Every powerful work of Jesus is a sign to the glory, the beauty, the holiness, the righteousness, the goodness of God. And secondly, He does this act, this miraculous act of bringing life out of death in order to deepen the faith of His followers. In order to strengthen their roots in Him. In order to enable them to trust Him even more. In every challenge and struggle and every encounter we face with the mess of this world, the God who raised Lazarus from the dead is also the one who brings life and resurrection in our lives. But He does it for two reasons. As we encounter the mess of this life in our own lives, the lives of others, however it is, He does it for two reasons. He brings that kind of power of resurrection and life in order to to unveil to the to you, to me, to the rest of the world, the very power and love of God, our Creator. And He does it in order to deepen, strengthen our trust in Him. I was reminded this weekend you know, that the, the Psalms of David are, are really almost half and half Half lament and half praise. I mean, David was a great example of one, like what Jesus is showing here, a full reality of the mess of the world that we're in and the pain that it brings and the futility and frustration that you know, here Jesus is, the resurrection of the life right in their midst. And Jesus is like, how come you're not getting it? And how come we don't get it? And the frustration that we feel, the futility that we can feel with ourselves and with the needs of the world around us. And so David lamented regularly, Why God? What are you doing God? Why? What is it? But then he would always come back as well to praise. He didn't deny the reality of the mess and he refused to deny the reality of God's greater power still. And so too we as followers of Jesus... Don't deny the mess and the pain and the the fear of the world. But we recognize, we fall at His feet, incomplete in faith, incorrect in the fullness of our faith, unsure, but we know one thing, like Mary and Martha, we come running back to the feet of Jesus. Because He is, we believe, the resurrection and the life. And we know... It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but we know one day we will see Him face to face in the fullness of the life and the resurrection that He brings. And that He promises to reveal Himself and His glory and His power in the midst of the mess and continue to use it to strengthen us, to deepen our trust in Him. 
Now today, we, we gather around the, the supreme metaphor for understanding how God brings life out of death. How Jesus' death what, is what accomplishes what we need for life with God. That Jesus in His death and the power of His resurrection shows that He is greater than even death itself. And that no matter what our fallenness, what the mess of the world, what the mess in our own lives, the the sin that so easily entangles us, no matter what that is, Jesus' death and His life has forgiven us. Cleared that away. Cleaned us up so that we can be in communion with God. The ultimate expression of the life that He brings us. That eternal life. It isn't ours just when we die, but it's ours even today. To walk with our Creator together. Not only when we have communion, but we'll also have healing stations. Where we'll have elders who have little vials of oil. Who will also be placed around the sanctuary. Because we believe Jesus is the life and the, and the resurrection. That no matter what the mess in our own life or the life of those around us, whatever, whatever the need that we, like Mary and Martha, Thomas, we're, we're hanging with you, we're coming to you with whatever that is, we fall at your feet. Because we believe that you will reveal your glory, you will deepen our faith, and that you will bring healing. Your time, your pace, but you will act. So we come to you. So I invite you, as we gather around the table, as we come before God, who is the life and the resurrection, to come to the communion to receive from Him, to go to the healing station, Again, for yourself, for someone else. What, what is said and done at that healing station stays there. It doesn't get posted on a blog or a website or anything else. Not even written down. Not shared even with any, anyone else. And you may simply just want to come and give a name. It may be your name. It may be the name of another. You don't have to know the details if that's uncomfortable for you. Because God knows the details. And that's who we're coming to. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for Jesus. Thank you that he is the life, that he is the resurrection, that he is the one who brings us life today. And we, in our own fallenness, our own incomplete faith, our own uncertainty, we come together and fall at his feet. Waiting, hoping, knowing that He will act to fulfill His promises. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We come to the table of the Lord. And the invitation is to all of you who are walking in fellowship with God and with your neighbor. Or if you come confessing your sins and believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to come. It's not a Presbyterian table or any other, but we are a family coming to God's table. Whenever we come to the table, just to speak a little bit more of our family, 
on the table is this little tray and this cup. It's a symbol. Because this afternoon, deacons and elders will go to the shut-ins of the church and taking from the table that which will be a blessing to them as they share in eating and drinking together. And so we celebrate together, remembering what Jesus did on the night in which he was arrested. Scripture tells us that he took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup, saying, this is my blood that is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink, all of you. For I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. As you come forward, the deacons will uh, dismiss you. There will be stations in front of each seating area and there will be baskets of bread and a cup. And we invite you to take a piece of bread and then dip it in the cup. And if you're visiting with us and not, not used to that, that's, uh, you know, feel free to ask if you forget what you're doing or just watch the person in front of you. But if you drop it in there, yeah, don't worry. Just get another one. It's okay. Uh, if you forget, you eat, and then you think you're supposed to drink next, and that's okay. Just get another one and then dip it in. You know, we're in no hurry. And we're here to receive to receive that, that wondrous gift that only Jesus can give us as He set this up for us to celebrate with one another and with brothers and sisters around the world and throughout the ages. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we ask that You take these elements and that You would use them in ways beyond our understanding, in the, the, the depth of Your work in our very souls that you would use these elements to nourish our very faith as the bread and juice would nourish our bodies. May you spiritually, mystically, through this celebration, nourish our very soul in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let me also remind you of healing stations um, as well. Jessica's here and she